Eagle Nation. You're listening to Gotta Talk, a podcast dedicated to all things Georgia Southern football. Now, here's your hosts, Matt Monty and Cody Anderson. Well, Cody, for the second straight episode now and, and second straight week, we have plenty to talk about, and we're, we're going to try to break it all down for you um, and cover it all in, in the next hour or so. And been just a super eventful last two weeks for Georgia Southern football. You know, it seemed to kind of all start right there after that loss to Army. You know, the team gets stranded in Newark, New Jersey for around 24 hours. Mechanical issues with the plane, which delayed their their arrival back in Statesboro. Then we uh, learn on Monday, uh, Monday evening, that there were some arrests. Uh, we later find out on Tuesday that it was uh, four players, not two players, that were involved in that uh, related to drug charges as well as some weapons charges. Of course, star running back Wesley Kennedy and star nose tackle C.J. Wright um, in, uh, included in those arrests. And they uh, all, all four players have now been uh, suspended indefinitely um, from the team while uh, the legal process shakes out. And then we, you know, around uh, 24 hours before kickoff in Atlanta against Georgia State, we start hearing rumors that maybe some other players might be leaving. And we uh, learn right before kickoff um, on Saturday that uh, star inside linebacker Raynard Ellis, uh, one of our favorites, Cody, uh, favorite play, favorite defensive players for sure, um, decided to opt out for the 2020 season. And we learn uh, that. Outside linebacker Randy Wade Jr. Uh, was on the inactive list as well. He didn't make the trip to Atlanta. Zion McGee uh, was uh, injured and questionable for the game. So just a completely depleted uh, defense. And, you know, it, it showed at times, uh, you know, but they played well um, for the most part. Um, but, you know, offense uh, continued to kind of be Jekyll and Hyde, you know, had some flashes in the first half. Didn't do that great, uh, you know, in the in the uh, second half, uh, sputtering there at times, and and the defense just couldn't kind of hold up. Um, Georgia State scoring the final uh, 17 points um, of the game and uh, winning that one, another one score game, uh, 30 to 24. It was uh, yet another game where we failed to cross that 30 point uh, threshold that we talk about so much. And then the the latest, most recent, and, and probably biggest news of, of of all of this is that offensive coordinator Bob DeBess has been relieved of his duties. Uh, we we learned that on Sunday um, after um, after that loss to Georgia State um, that that uh, Doug Roos, um, our tight ends coach, will be moving into uh, that position in an interim role. Uh, obviously, he knows that position and role well, um, having uh, done it just you know five or six years ago uh, in 2014 and 15 as our offensive coordinator under Willie Fritz. Um, so just a lot to unpack here, Cody. And like I said, we're going to try <clears throat> to do our best to, to cover it all in this episode. Yeah, you literally just talked for three straight minutes, just highlighting the key notes of everything that has transpired after the Army game. And it wasn't like you're like a rambling, like you, it was like one event. Like after I normally the other. do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, throw on top of this COVID and the protocols and everything else. And Chad Lunsford and companies had a, a lot to handle these last seven to 10 days. It is a lot of, I don't want to say drama, but yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's kind of the best word for it. Um, and not the positive news that you want to hear a lot of it has been negative a lot of it has been stuff that can tear a team apart uh, I thought outside of the offense 
effort to put points on the board. I thought that they played on Saturday was actually pretty decent considering everything they went through the previous week uh, with the arrests and then with the injuries on the defensive side. So I don't know, man. I think I think these last two weeks is going to be a, a big tell as to what the 2021 season will 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 be like. And do this does this team rally around each other, rally around the coaches, rally around themselves, and and put on a a, a strong finish to this season, or do they fall apart? And does that unravel go into 21? And right. and how does Lunsford and company handle that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely going to be kind of a defining moment, right, one way or another uh, for Coach Lunsford, you know, and I mean, it's his third season. And this obviously was probably the the biggest decision, toughest decision that he's had to make, um, relieving Bob DeBess of his duties. Uh, you know, in, in, in those three years. And, and certainly there might be some other tough decisions, uh, you know, down down the road that, that we'll see maybe, uh, you know, as, as soon as uh, directly after um, this season, you know, and then uh, with just two regular season games left, we don't know what the, the bowl picture looks like. We're sitting at six and four on the season, four and three in the conference. You know, we could, uh, you know, improve to, to as much as eight wins, but obviously we know even though we're already at that uh, normal um, threshold that you need with the six wins to qualify for bowls, we know that's not the case this year, right, with COVID. So, um, you know, you've got like our yeah. opponent this week in uh, in Florida Atlantic. They've only played six games, you know. Uh, so, um, and then you got some Big Ten teams and stuff out there that have only, uh, you know, played a few games. So, um, no, no requirement there. So maybe we get a bowl game, maybe we get a third game. Um, but you know, I want to, I guess, start with, uh, the, the news of, of Bob DeBess and, and talk about first off, just the, the decision itself. Right. So I don't think the decision surprises many people, right? I mean, I, I mean, this is something that a lot of people, a lot of fans in Eagle Nation have been clamoring for. For a while now, even dating back to last season, certainly following uh, that loss in the Cure Bowl uh, to um, to Liberty, you started maybe that you know that seat was getting a little bit hotter, if you will, and then um, certainly you know kind of throughout you know every week this season you started hearing uh, more and more fans talk about it. You know after the loss against Louisiana, after the loss against Coastal Carolina, it seemed to kind of ramp up, um, and then these last two weeks with uh, you know uh, failing to to reach over thirty points. Once again, the, you know, the failure to finish the, uh, step on the throat, choke them out mentality, right. That we talk about. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, yeah. Professors won't right, like that. Right. And, uh, so, you know, that, that whole thing, we, we just kept seeing it. I mean, we, we, you know, we've said it for the last couple of weeks, right? Like a broken record. That's, that's just kind of what we are. Um, we've come to expect it. We're going to play close games. We're not going to have a super efficient offense. Um, the defense is going to do maybe just enough to get a win, or we're going to have a close loss. Like that's, that's just kind of what we came to expect. Um, yeah. unfortunately the last two weeks, it's been, uh, you know, close the latter. Losses. Yeah. It's been the latter with the close losses. Um, and it, it kind of finally all came to head to a head. So I guess my, my question for you is like, again, I don't think anyone is surprised at the decision but for me personally i'm surprised at the timing of it right i mean you just got two two games left in the season um again maybe a third game with a bowl game um that's not a lot of time for interim uh oc uh doug roos to you know quote unquote prove himself obviously we know his track record but i i, I think that you know while 
while that should matter, um, you know, he, he still has to obviously prove himself that, that he's um, capable of doing the job and, and, and the right the right guy moving forward, um, you know, in, in 2021 and, and, and on onward. So. Um, you know, not, not a lot, not a lot of time, uh, for, for kind of a proving ground there. Um, so I, I was, I was just kind of surprised at the timing, you know, I, I told people after the game, I was up there, uh, for the game in Atlanta and, you know, people were asking me, do you think this is it? You know, Bob's got to go. And I'm, while I kind of agree with the decision, I, I, I think it probably came a little late and I, I was just surprised that it, it, it did come so late. I thought, I thought if we were going to have a change at OC, it wouldn't be until the end of the year. Yeah, let me start off by saying that I think Bob the best for this program when Chad Lunchford hired him was the best and, and smartest move that, that Lunchford could have made at the time. Um, he, I don't think people remember, or maybe some of them do, how bad that offense was in 2017. Yep. And for him to kind of come in and get the basis of the foundation back to where it needed to be and you know, we did succeed in 2018 and due to, to his ability to come in here and get our offense back on track. So I don't think that needs to be overlooked or to be overshadowed or to completely ignore. He, I know that when coordinators get fired, the only thing that we think about is what have they done in the last two, three weeks, which is ultimately, I think, what happened here. But we have to remember that Bob DeBest did a lot of good while he was here. And especially with the 2018 season last year, that injury, the offensive line was depleted. Yep. Lunsford made the case that 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 was they had the practice squad out there for some of those games and some of those reps, um, which is not what you want a year. And typically, when you have that, you're not going to do very well. Um, and honestly, the fact that we even won any sort of a game after the sixth game of the season last year with all the injuries on the offensive line and got to a bowl game in and of itself is a pretty pretty good accomplishment for what Bob DeBest did. I understand that there's people that were frustrated with how the offensive um, production, that the offensive line looked like it was incoherent or that they missed blocks. Again, the injuries and, and the stuff that went along with that is a big reason as to why. Um, which I think is why you and I had a lot of hope this season coming into it that if we did, if we were able to play and people were ready to stay healthy, we should have a pretty dynamic offense. Correct. And I think this is where we get to the point as to why he got fired is that that never, that never culminated, that never yep. occurred. It never, it never was explosive. We missed several opportunities when we were in the red zone or when we had the ball to put an opponent away. You think of Texas State, you think of ULM, you think of Coastal. We hit, we were tied and we felt like we could never get the offense going in order to put points on the board to help our defense out and really put the pressure on them in Conway. You look at the game against Campbell and, and just kind of that start. You look at um, these last two weeks in which we had big leads and you had opportunities to really put the game away in the first half. I mean, you had the yeah, opportunity a lot of, to go a lot of opportunities from the other team, right? Yeah, turnovers yes. and turnovers. Just, yeah. You go back. I think Danny Reed put out these stats from the last like five, six, seven games of the turnovers that we've had and that we've had plenty of them. Um, and it, we really had the opportunity to, to to put games away early and to where they're not nail biters and. That didn't happen. And, you know, that to me I think is the biggest glaring issue overall as to why the offense coordinator was let go of his duties this past week was because we did not take advantage of the opportunities that we had on offense to put games away 
and to really, I mean, honestly, if you think about it, I think we really should honestly be 9-1. And, and if the offense was a well-oiled machine, we could possibly easily be 10-0 right now. Yeah, absolutely. We could. I mean, no question yeah. about it. No question about it. And I think Lunchford sees that. I think a lot of the fan base sees that. And you look at it and you think, man, the defense really has played well. He, a lot of the times the defense has been put in bad situations because the offense would quickly go three and out, not give them time to really rest or recoup. And, or they had the opportunity where if they could just get a score there or touchdown, then, then it kind of relieve some of the pressure. And, and Sloan and company may have a little bit easier time calling plays because the opposing offense may be more dimensional. Maybe they go more passing than anything else. Right. And uh, that didn't happen. And, you know, I, I hate it for Bob DeBest because everything that I've heard from him from the program seems that he's an incredible guy. He's a great guy, a great yep. family man, a great leader, a great person that you want to have around your football team. He seemed to love Georgia Southern. He seemed to he love did. Statesboro. Yeah, you know, did. everyone kind of yeah. embraced him. He embraced us. And, and we appreciate that. I mean, we, we do, you know. And, and, I mean, yeah, you hate to see it. I mean, we're we're not on here. We're not trying to be a podcast where we're, you know, uh, <laughs> the torches and pitchforks, right. And, and no, trying to run no, no, people no, no. out of town. These, these, these are, you know, these are men. These are, this is their livelihood, you know, and, um, families are involved and in all this. And, um, you know, it's, it's not about the people as much, you know, it, but it is a business. And, and, you know, at the end of it the day, is. um, again, like we, we'd said last week, you know, Lunsford as a first time head coach, he's, he's got to make those tough decisions. And uh, he made one, he, he made a change, you know, maybe it came, a little later than some people expected or wanted, um, you know, but it, he made it. So, so, so now you know, we it did will this, be a defining moment. Yeah. And, and look, and you and I've kind of had this joking conversation before this podcast, but I'm, I'm kind of serious in, in my thought on this is that this happened. The timing of it happened is because we lost to Georgia state in this way. You know, if, if let's say we played Georgia state earlier in the season and, um, maybe two or three games ago, and this happens. I think the change happens then too. I think. I think. See, I just. I, 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 I disagree. You don't think I, so? No, I really don't. I really don't. And it goes back to our conversation of the Georgia State and is it a rivalry and or pseudo rivalry and all this. And and I look. I, I get it. I mean, I, like, I, they're whatever you want to label uh, Georgia State. They obviously that game matters more than some of the others. Does it matter as much as App State? I think most people will say no. Um, no, no, you know, no, no, no. But, I'm not but, saying that. But, it, but, that it, ma- but it matters more. Losing to them sucks. You know, <laughs> it leaves a bitter taste in your mouth um, every time. Uh, no question about it. Yeah. My, but, I mean, my, about, my, ar- my argument, okay. though, is is that I don't... Th- you're, you're basically saying this was the nail in the coffin. That because, because this, you know, losing to them... And and I, I uh, someone um, on Twitter said it, and it really uh, stuck with me that you know Georgia. His argument basically was Georgia State isn't a rival because we're basically saying that it was an embarrassing loss, and you should never be embarrassed to lose to a rival. And I kind of agree with that. You know, I mean, I don't I don't think Michigan is embarrassed to lose to Ohio State or Georgia Tech is embarrassed to lose uh, to to Georgia. You know, I, I I think I think you again respect is there, and you hate it. It leaves that bad taste in your mouth. But it's not embarrassed shouldn't be an adjective that you use um, when it comes to a rival. So you know, and 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 that that is the adjective that I think that most people will say I mean, you know myself included when we lose to georgia state because I, I have really no respect for that program and when we lose to them it stinks and it is embarrassing um but i i just i, I don't i don't think it's necessarily the nail in the coffin i think if, if this loss had happened like you said a couple weeks ago um i don't think that change 
happens a couple weeks ago. I, I, I think I think it was just the series of events that took place, you know, once again, the close games, the one score games, not being able to close it out, not being able to cross 30 points, um, you know, kind of sputtering in the second half after, you know, having some, some good flashes in the first half. Um, I, I think it was just compounded. I think if, if, if this game was flip flopped with South Alabama, right. And, and, and we lost to army and then lost to South Alabama, the best is gone. Then it, it, to me, it has very little to do with the fact that it was Georgia state. I, I respect where you're coming from on that. I just know that after the Army loss and after the Coastal and Louisiana and some of the close calls that we've had, that to me there seemed to be more of a anger and frustration after this game. Oh, it was building. It was building. Yeah, but I, I, mean, yeah. Was, but I think I think losing to Georgia State, I think amplifies it regardless of when it happens all the way up. I just think it does. So you really, if if, if those flipped and we played on October 29th, that Thursday game, let's say we played Georgia state or even, even that following week against Troy on November 7th, right. You know, before, and then we, you know, so we're, you you don't get the back to back losses. Um, So you lose to Georgia state, November 7th. um, We play Texas state, win that game, lose to army, you know, you you think that changes? I mean, you you think? I think so. I think I think the George, I think losing Georgia State changed. I think it. I think it does. I think it was a big. I think it's a big part of it. Okay. I think it do. I think it is. Um, yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you, you know, you, uh, Coach Lunsford was asked about it. He basically, his stance is that, you know, Georgia State is a rival be, because we allowed it to be. And, you know, kind of going to your point of, of uh, last week of, you know, the Pulse of North thing and all this stuff. And I, I agree with that somewhat. Um, but. I, I think this decision, regardless of the argument of whether or not they're a rival, I, I just I, I think it was the fact that it was just a continuing trend of what we've seen. We again, I think everyone you know is pretty apparent that this is just what we were and that nothing was going to change until changes were made. And even made, and, yeah. and we're going to talk about that in a second. Is is you know don't expect like crazy wholesale changes and night and day difference, right? Uh, you can't no, expect like no. Miracle Worker in, in, in a week or two. I think there two. are some things that people have pointed out on Twitter that we'll bring up here that that will, that will may help. But yeah, to your point, yeah, there's not going to be a wholesale change. I think what I'm getting at is, is yes, but this powder keg to me has been building ever since the Liberty loss. Yes, it has. And I think I think what you know I think what set it off was Georgia State, and I don't think maybe maybe if we had played Georgia State like second or third game, okay, yeah, I I can see that, that that it wouldn't have happened then, but I think after game five or six, I think yeah, I think this is, it, I think it would have happened simply because I think Lunsford understands you just can't lose to your rivals, you can't lose to them, you can't lose the state, you can't lose the app. App is a little bit more forgiving because app, like you said, respect. It's a it's, it's a better program. It, the, they have good teams year in year out, mm. but you can't lose to your rivals. You know that's how that's that's kind of where coaches get get fired more than less is because it's, it's because it's I not so much no, of the I, I year agree, in year I out. Agree with that, you lose rivals, you know. and that's what turns off fan base. Yeah, I mean, and you look at Harbaugh and, and not yeah not being able to beat. Yeah, Harbaugh not being able to beat Ohio State like that. that I mean, that is going to define you. I I agree with that one hundred percent. I but I'm I'm a little you know I I still don't fully 
treat or, or see Georgia State as a rival, right? So, I mean, I, I think I think that's, you know, um, that's the issue there is I, I, I do agree that you have to beat your rivals, um, you know, maybe maybe even like your in-state conference opponents, right, which obviously Georgia yep. State qualifies as that. Um, so um, I, I, I get it. I just, uh, you know, I think just the timing of it, I mean, maybe that was when, like you said, the powder keg finally, you know, uh, exploded. But um, I, I don't know if it would have really changed. Change things if, if that game was earlier, but anyway, it's it's done. So let's I guess move on, you know, and 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 talk about uh, talk about Doug Roos. Um, obviously, you know, history there. Uh, we know a lot how of good fans his offenses were um, under Fritz, and and yeah, and fourteen and fifteen. You know, since Lunsford brought him on, uh, you know, uh, earlier this year as tight ends coach, um, there was uh, again, uh, you know, the uh, Debessa seat was. Uh, you know, getting warm um, after the Liberty loss in the Cure Bowl, then in a ruse, and a lot of people kind of thought, and we discussed it on the podcast, that maybe this is going to be the case at some point. We just didn't know when it was going to happen. Um, you know, but it, whether it was a situation where the best is relieved of his duties, either, you know, mid season or after the season, or it's just kind of a, you know, sail off in the sunset. He retires, you know, he's, he's getting older, you know, maybe move back to Texas, um, you know, hang it up. He's had a very long, you know, career and Roos is, uh, you know, the, the kind of heir apparent, um, to, to, to step in there and, and, and take things over. Right. Um, so I, I don't think anyone is surprised again with the decision, um, and, and certainly with bringing Roos on, I mean, it was a logical choice. Um, again, I think it's interesting that, you know, he's the interim just for two weeks of the regular season, um, and then possibly a bowl game. So, you know, he, he's got, two to three games um, to kind of show what he can do and make some changes. And let's talk about that now. Um, and and it will be interesting to see what Lunsford does, you know, another kind of defining moment of his, uh, you know, coaching career of, of what happens after, you know. I mean, certainly I think what happens in these two or three games will uh, matter there. But, you know, I personally – as, as excited as I am for Doug Roos to step in, right, to this position – um, I don't think that he should just be the de facto default. No, answer. no. Let's let's remember Willie Fritz to let him go from Tulane. He wasn't necessarily doing that right. great of a job right. at Tulane. Now I understand it's Tulane. They never historically have had a decent football team outside of what one year when they went undefeated. Uh, but they t- typically have been in the basement, whatever conference, independent, whatever. They've been, typically have not been that great. Um, but Fritz did let him go. He wanted to change the the identity and, and the direction of the offense, and he did let let Ruse go. And if I think I had, I think I saw a stat where when Ruse was in Tulane, they didn't average over thirty points a game when he was there for those seasons, season and a half, or a couple seasons. Um, yep. so it wasn't like they had the same success there as they did here in fourteen and fifteen when it comes to offensive production. Um, so. Yeah, I think we kind of need to pump the brakes. I don't think that he just automatically gets this job going into the next year. I would, I think, it, I think as a fan, I would like to see an open search nationally. I think that there are some interesting people that could come in that we should at least interview for the job yep. and see kind of where it leads us to. I'm not one to say we need to go back to Flexbone. I'm not one to saying that we need to stay in this gun pistol option or that we need to completely finally you know go to an rpo style offense or whatever it is 
I think I'm more in line of I want a coordinator who understands how to get the ball in the end zone early and often in a proven system. Yeah, and it doesn't and matter, it doesn't how, matter you do how you it, do it, right? Do yeah, it. I mean, I think I think we're I think we're at the point, right? And and that's what a lot of fans, especially those old school fans and those flex bone. I'm going to post the flex bone. Don't get me wrong. If if for some reason no, no, later course, on down the line we want to hire Brian Bohan from Kennesaw State, I loved what he's done there. I have no problem if we bring him in, but I'm not saying that he needs to be the only person we bring in at some point down the line if Lunton moves on or whatever. I, I just right. You yes. have a small talent pool with the Flexbone coaches, so that's you know you're you're once again kind of picking from the the Paul Johnson tree or now the Jeff yeah. Munkin tree, right? And and that that's going to dry up eventually. Um, so I mean you know and and I think that kind of goes to the point that I want to make is that we have to understand you know as a program we're FBS program now, and again yeah it's it's not it's not that we should just like throw the uh you know throw the flex bone in in the attic no. or in, in the shed yeah. and, and lock it up and, ne- and never go back to it but we have to be open-minded to explore other options we are an fbs program now we should not be limited to say you know we've got to go with uh, you know someone from kennesaw state or we got to get uh, a coordinator or a position coach from army or from navy or or, or this or you know it, we, we should be open to have national searches you know that may may have been the case back when we were in fcs right where you kind of have a smaller talent pool you're uh you know you're looking at just kind of one or two coaching trees um and or, or just kind of regionally there, there's no reason that we shouldn't be able to have a national search and be open-minded and look at a lot of competent coordinators with experience um, that run a variety of offenses and, you know, trust in Lunsford yeah. to make the decision to make the right hire um, of a guy that, like you said, can score <laughs> score early and often um, and knows how to get the ball in the playmaker's hands and knows, you know, how to, to make in-game adjustments and um, and uh, strategize against the defense and all this kind of stuff. So that that's my thing is I, I feel like so often our fans are, are – they want to – it's a safety net, you know. I mean, they want to fall back into that well, comfort. And, and I mean, let's, change let's is hard. Be honest. So it's, it's, easy, it's easy to kind of go back and be like, well, let's just go do this. Oh, well, we got Doug Roos that worked in 14 and 15. Yeah, let's, let's just ride with him. We're good. You know, no, let's, let's, let's look beyond that. I'm not saying like – throw Roos to the curb. Let's give him a, another shot yeah. and let's see what he can do. Um, but let's not just like have a default and be like, yeah, yeah he's the and, guy. But let's I go. think the safety you know? net is, is, is understandable. If you're a fan, I, I, to me, I understand it because you scored a lot of points under Paul Johnson. You won a lot under Irk Russell. You won a lot under Jeff Munkin. You won a lot under Fritz. I understand why people feel that that's what we need to get, get back to. And, and I totally get it. I just think that that let's before we just jump to it immediately. Let's actually have an open search and let's interview as many people. As, yeah, yeah. All that's all. For. That's all I'm asking for. If at the yeah, end of the day, that's all I'm asking for. Yeah, yeah. Doug Doug Roos is obviously in there. You yeah. got Flexbone guys in there, but don't don't be afraid to like again be open minded and have an RPO option or maybe or have, an offensive you know, line option, you know. coach from Florida state. That was the offensive right. coordinator at Charlotte. Exactly. Yeah, I think yeah. he there, may be an interesting one go. to come in here and interview for the job. If he wants to, that's what I'm there saying. There you go. Yep. yep. Coach Atkins. Um, yeah. And, and, and uh, yes. So, so I, I think that we have, 
you know, if you do want to go to those trees and stuff, you know, maybe it's not just the the Munkin and the Paul Johnson trees. You got the Fritz trees now. You got, you know, which obviously Roos is a part of. And, and you know, he replaced Bob DeBess, you know, at, at Sam Houston State under Fritz. So, I mean, there's a lot of connections there. But it, don't be afraid to go outside of that. Don't be afraid to look outside of the box. Um, and I think, again, that will be kind of a, an interesting and defining moment for Lunsford to see if he – is comfortable with doing that. If he does it, you know, and, and again, it like, I'm, I'm not saying that that has to be the, the decision. Um, but just look, you know, just, yeah. to, just to have the options to, um, to, to go, um, and, and, and have the actual national search. So, um, it, it will, it will be interesting, Cody. I mean, you know, I guess let's get into kind of the specifics of Doug Roos. Yes. And, and, I'm uh, glad that you, you know, brought that up because there's possibly... some interesting things that yeah. I've seen on the GSU fans website, um, as well that has been repeated on Twitter, which I haven't independently verified this. I don't know if you've even seen it, um, at all, but there were some, uh, this is why I love our fan base is because people will go out and do their own stuff and say, and, and it's, I think it's unique to, especially a G five school. Um, there's not many G five schools that have anywhere close to the fan base that we have, but to get to the point, um, people had started charting plays in regards to the offense and how well that we did. And, in particular, they noticed that when we were in our single back, no motion offense, that we did not do anything at all. Whereas if you add motion and with multiple backs, the offense, especially the yards per carry, increased substantially. So I think my biggest question with you is if that's true, and let's just say that the posters on the forum and on Twitter um, are correct, do you think Ruse kind of just throws out that single back, no motion play set in in for just strictly either multiple backs or at least have some motion on just about every play i wouldn't say throw out necessarily anything like completely throw out but yes i think he's i mean he made it clear in the in the press conference uh yesterday right on monday that um he he planned you know that his philosophy is to uh, put guys in motion, you know, that that wide receivers uh, like one wide receiver, I think he said, you know, would be on, uh, in motion almost every play, you know, and, and, and that's just that's just his personal philosophy and, <clears throat> you know, put your backs in motion, do some misdirection. And we saw that in the first half against Georgia State and it was super effective, um, you know, and, and you saw on, on some of Logan Wright's long runs, you know, that that that'd be effective. You saw blocking get better. Um, and, and yes, you saw, you know, the uh, the, the clips of um, the yards per carry uh, go up uh, when when that happened, you know, so much to the fact that I, you know, I, I was there with my dad and I thought, maybe Roos was calling those plays, you know, because that's, that's what we came accustomed to, uh, you know, back in 14 and 15. And we just haven't really seen a lot of that, um, under the best. I don't know why he's particularly, uh, you know, uh, opposed, uh, to, to putting guys in motion when, uh, again, the analytics, and then we talk about the staff being so keen on analytics, um, when, when they show how much better, uh, you know, more, more efficient our offenses are, uh, when we put guys in motion, um, or when we do misdirection on option plays and things like this. But so, uh, yes, I, I think absolutely he does more of that um, than what we're used to seeing. And I think it for the most part, it works. You know, we talked about don't expect wholesale changes. What we mean by that is a completely new playbook. Um, but the little wrinkles here or there, um, like 
putting guys in motion, doing some misdirection, and certainly yeah, yeah. play I think calling. We to, I think that we need to set the record. This is still going to be the like the Bob the best playbook in place. Like this isn't like he's not going to just throw in there and just throw out the whole thing and and. and I know a lot of you are like, well, aren't they the same thing? And I think on on face value they look the same, but I think when you kind of when you start, I think talking break down X's and O's and stuff like that, I think you can kind of say that there's a, quite a bit of difference between the two offenses. It's variances. It's, it's yeah. variances with the plays, and then you got to think. I mean, Roos literally took over Bob DeBess's offense at Sam Houston State. So you gotta you gotta expect that like some of the plays are probably the same. They probably share some of the plays, um, or at least some of the core concepts, right? Yes. Um from that playbook. Because Sam Houston State basically ran the same offense um after DeBess left and, and Roos took over. And then when uh Fritz and, and Roos came to uh Georgia Southern same thing, and then you know the best steps in after coming from New Mexico, and and we kind of everything seems to slow down a little bit, and we stop doing as much motion and things like this. But, um, but yeah, I mean, so uh, they're not. It's not like they're polar opposites. I think as as far as like offensive oh, yeah, mindset, yeah. Um, you know, so I I think a lot of the plays are probably the same, and even moving forward, let's say Roos is the guy in twenty twenty one. I think some of the plays are probably the same, but how we execute those plays when we decide to call those plays and just the, again, the subtle kind of variances of those plays of, you know, maybe, you know, a, a different like pull block or sending a guy a motion just to, you know, call off the, the middle linebacker a bit or something like that, I think is, is the biggest difference that you're going to see, um, you know, in these next two to three games and then possibly moving forward. So, I'm 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 excited about that. You know, I I think a lot of fans are just really itching. You know, from a play calling standpoint, of just making better decisions. You know, in, in certain situations. You know, in in this Georgia State game, you look at uh, you know when Tomlin comes in the game. You know, before the two turnovers, he comes in the game. He's moving the offense. We get in a third and seven, and we hand the ball off up the middle to Logan Wright, which ha- you know who had a heck of a game. Um, but you know he goes up the middle for four yards. You don't really trust Tomlin to throw it there, you know. And and, and when he's proven it that that he can do that, you know. So th- there were several plays throughout Georgia State and Army and and really all the games this season that you can look at and be like, you know, uh, what was it in was it against Coastal? I think right. We had the back to back pass plays right when it was <laughs> when it was uh, second and three. Yeah, yeah. And we yeah, do, second we, three. We call the back to back pass plays. That kind of stuff we want to see improve. You know, it, it it's kind of the the head scratching play calls and it's like why would we do that there it's not even, and I think, that's, I think that's, the reason that's is the I biggest the, thing I for think me. the best overthought it I think he I think he just kind of yeah. outsmart himself in certain situations and instead of just kind of just keeping it simple he kind of went kind of like 4D chess almost and it, I think it, it backfired a lot so yeah I that, that that's the biggest thing for me um is you know the those, those subtle differences um you know just backing the defense off enough right with with the play calling but also some of the things you do disguising you know this this is a word that we that we hear a lot with like option offenses disguising what you're trying to do I think that it was you know at times with with the best's offense you know very um boilerplate I mean it it was very predictable you know you know when the 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 ways we lined up teams knew kind of when we were going to the dive and and to to a degree if you're super efficient at that and you're like, look, we're going to run it down your throat, try to stop us, and you've got a great offensive line and great running backs, 
I mean, that, that can be effective, but time and time again, we saw it wasn't right. Yeah. <laughs> um, not just this year, but even, even, you know, in the three years, the best has been here. So, um, I think with Roos is, is kind of disguising some of those looks, having, throwing some of those wrinkles in, and then also, um, just the play calling in crucial key moments of, you know, deciding to, to, pass instead of run or run instead of pass or go, you know, possibly influence Lunsford, which, you know, we would think would have final say, but go for it on fourth down. You know, we've seen that of, uh, you know, a couple of times against Georgia state where uh, we decided to punt um, in, instead of go for it. So th- that kind of stuff, you know, third down play calls that that's what I'm really going to be paying attention to in these next two to three games um, and, and see if we can improve those areas. on Yeah. Yeah. And I, I completely agree with that. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting. If he does improve and improve greatly, and let's say we get two wins, it's going to be a very interesting conversation going into the offseason as to if we keep Ruse on or not. It's going to be very, I think it's going to be very hard to tell the fan base that he, like, to have an open search really and, and hire somebody. And I think Ruse can make or break himself real easily here in these next two games. He can. And I mean, I, you know, I guess so the question is, you know, you, you asked me this. When, uh, you know, on, on my way back down to Florida, um, we, you know, we had lunch together and, and you kind of said, you know, what, what would it take basically for Roos to cement himself in this position, right? I mean, do you, do you think there, there is a case for that where, where there just is no search and just sees the guy? I think in order to, for him to, to, to make the case for it, I mean, you have two good defenses. I think if you, if he wins these games and puts up points on FAU and App State, I think, I think it's a pretty hard thing that, to tell him no, that he can't have the job. Yeah. I mean, do, do you think, I mean, wins obviously, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go far, but I mean, it with obviously, you know, crossing 30 points <laughs> comes to mind. Yeah. Um, red zone, red zone, red zone efficiency, yeah. right. Uh, ability to score in the, in the second half, outscoring teams in the second half, outscoring teams in the fourth quarter, um, you know, uh, uh, touchdowns versus field goals. Um, when, when we decide to make those certain decisions, you know, I know obviously Lunsford, uh, comes to that as well. You know, we can, uh, talk briefly again about special teams, which has certainly left something to be desired, you know, uh, the, the last couple weeks. Um, and you know, I, I think that that comes into play as well. Right. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's a certain number of, of like, obviously wins. Yes. Um, points, um, you know, I don't, you know, I don't know if it's like a yardage thing. I mean, the uh, uh, best offense got almost 300 rushing yards against Georgia state. You know, the, the main thing is uh, the ability I to, think it's to finish, uh, close out games yeah, and finish, finish, yeah, finish, 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 finish is the biggest thing that kill mentality. Yeah, if you have an, if you have the opportunity to put a team away early, you do it. Um, and, and I, I think that's it. I think if you just see us complete drives and, and get touchdowns instead of field goals, yeah. And I know there's, look, you kind of, we've kind of beat around the bush here around it, but the two field goals in the game against Georgia State, I have no problem with. I listened to Lunsford, um, I think it was either yesterday on the on the uh, radio show or it was one of the news conferences that Josh Arbery put on YouTube. Um, and his reasoning behind each of them, to me, was, was solid reasoning. Um, you know, it's, yes, is it a long field goal for that kicker? It is, but... I have I have no problem with it. Fourth and eight, yeah, you kick the field goal. Fourth and three, okay, yeah, I can understand that there's a temptation to to, to go for it there, but I don't know. You're you're not gonna to me on those two plays. We didn't lose the ball game there. 
we we lost it when when we let them score late in the first half. We lost it when we were up fourteen three and didn't and didn't take advantage of the, of that fact and didn't put them down twenty one three. And you know that's t- and and that's why changes were made this past week is because we missed out on those opportunities. Well, I mean that first that first drive comes to mind of the second half. Logan Wright uh, busts the, the mm-hmm. long run again, and we settle for the field. You goal, settle right? for the I field mean, goal. That, you need yeah, you, you, yeah. if we got to put points there. I mean, you got to put a touchdown there, not just a field goal. Yeah. You know, you do that. Yeah. You know, you, I think at that point, what the score was seventeen thirteen at halftime, um, or was it? For it was fourteen fourteen thirteen. All right, sorry. So yeah, you go up twenty one thirteen right off the the start off the second half, and and then you know you saw their struggles. You get another touchdown at the the begin, you know, and it you know there you kind of go from there. I you know it's just I don't I don't I don't put any blame on that kicker at all. I think it's a tough situation. I think it's tough field goals. I don't fault Lunsford for the decision that he made to go for those field goals. That to me, that's not where we lost this ball game at. Yeah, yeah, I, and 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 you got to remember. I mean, the kid's a freshman. He's a freshman. You, He's coming off a foot injury. Yes, we've we've gotten really lucky with <laughs> with our last two kickers, um, who are now leading the NFL. Could honestly be uh, the and, two and could, best. Could kick, both be the two best kiss, kiss, kickers. Goodness gracious! Um, yeah, wow. yeah, cotton mouth. Um, yeah, the two. Best kickers in in the NFL right now. Yeah, so I mean, it's, correct. It's, be, be, I mean, could be two pro, uh, pro Bowlers yeah. in the AFC and the NFC, right? Um, with with uh, Young Way Koo and Tyler Bass, and um, yeah. So so we got spoiled. We got spoiled at that position. But you got to remember, think back to Young Koo. Think back to Young Bass. You know, I mean, they they weren't all they weren't always what they are now. You know, and no man. When, when their, Koo their came their in to take in for Hanks, yeah. it wasn't really like right. it was. I mean, I don't think people were really jumping up and down like, oh yeah, this needs to be the guy. It was kind of like, oh yeah. well, okay, let's see how he goes. <laughs> let's see how he does. Bass a little. I mean, you know, Bass had a little bit more. Um, hype around him I think and then you know early on I think people saw how good he could be I think they saw his um, leg it, strength on kickoffs correct. and that's what people yep. were like oh this guy has a pretty powerful leg and and now if he's accurate yep. with his field goals all the better um and yep. and he turned out that he was and and still is and is getting better at it it seems up there in buffalo so you know, I I think give this young man some time. Let him. Yep. Let him. That, that's all I'm asking for. Just give him time. Yeah. And 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 yeah. Don't don't. You know, you you cannot expect Tyler Bass or Yugweku right no, off the bat. Not out of high school. It's just not gonna happen. I mean, he yeah, li- right. literally just like what probably graduated last year, right from high school. Yeah. Right. So yeah. no, I just give him some time. Um, let him have a legit off season. Hopefully, you know maybe he can have a the off season this year and be a little bit more normal than what it than it was this year. Um, have workout spring ball. Let him actually, you know, legit practice with the team and and do all the drills and stuff that they are typically you know used to, and see how he does. I think I think next year we'll we'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, yeah, I I think so too. So you know, I guess moving past that let's let's talk about defense a little bit right I mean obviously we knew we were going to be without CJ Wright and then like I said we learned right before the game Raynard Ellis one of our favorite players yeah uh opts out for the rest of the year you know he um 
so that that was that was big news, and you know, I, I think we should spend some time talking about it. Of you know, first kind of the rumor was that it was possibly him and Randy Wade. Now Randy Wade, um, he was on the inactive list. He did not travel with the team, as far as we know. He is still on the team. Uh, we don't really know. I haven't heard why he was held back. I don't. Um, I'll be honest with you. <clears> I don't want to get room. into the rumors. Um, I don't want to get into why they did or did not. I think I think it's beneficial if we could talk maybe the, the impact of them not being on the field. Um, but you know, these are young men. The last week or two has been incredibly hard on the entire team. The entire season has been probably one of the most stressful seasons they've ever had to go through. I mean, they're probably getting what two to three multiple COVID tests a week. You have to, right. you have to, you can't do this, you can't do that, you got to do this, you have to do this, you can't do this. You know, it's already strict enough anyways to be a student athlete, and it's probably gotten a million times stricter with COVID protocols. Um, their classes are online. I'm not trying to make excuses for them or anything like that, but what I'm saying is is that if a young man just gets to a point to where he feels like mentally he's just not there that where he wants to play, I'm all for it. If he feels like that, that whatever, I'm, I'm okay. If somebody wants to, for whatever reason, I understand. I'm not going to hold it. I'm not going to whatever. Now, I think it's interesting to see if he comes back next year. Right. You know, does he transfer? Does he stay? I hope he stays. I thought he was a fantastic linebacker. Him and Randy Wade, was. both I mean, of them were fantastic. Came into the came into the game tied for uh, tackles on the team, fifty nine, including uh, six point five tackles for loss. Um, also had one point five sacks and an interception on the season. Um, you know, since since coming in last year. You know, he he just flies around the ball. You know, he, he he's kind of all over the place. Yeah, Randy Wade too. Um, and and they've they've been uh, both you know impact players on on defense. And um, yeah, so I mean, I, yeah. I, I I hope him the I hope the best for him, no matter what. And, um, hopefully, you know, something happens where he is back next year. But and for those who, who don't know or or wondering what what are we talking about, the, Ellis stepped away, opted out. Lunchford made a comment that they just didn't see eye to eye on a couple of things, and that the decision was made. Um, I think that I think we could leave it at that as far as the off the field stuff. I think on the field is going to be a, a big miss for our defense. He was a huge time um, defensive player. He had great speed. He got instinct for where the ball was going and made great tackles. I didn't hardly see too many missed tackles or broken tackles when he hit somebody. Not that I can remember off the top of my head. Um, I, I mean, he's a fantastic player, young player. Um, hopefully, he comes back uh, for next season because I think he could be a huge anchor for the defense in the next two seasons going forward. So, what, where does this leave the defense, Cody? I mean, obviously, next they man up lead against Georgia State. It's next man up, but I mean, they, you know, does they that... played well for three and a half quarters. They did. Um, like I like, I mean, they uh, we talked about how explosive that Georgia State offense was. We knew that they could score points, and they could score points in a hurry. And for nearly three and a half quarters, they held them in check, man. And they that did. fourth quarter, you could kind of tell that it's – I don't know if it was fatigue. I don't know if the offensive coordinator saw something finally with their defense and just finally started calling plays that kind of picked on weaknesses or what the deal was. But they – yeah, I think it was both. both. I, th- I think fatigue was definitely there. Yeah, I think I think offense certainly plays into that, right, with, with the three and outs. 
um, and and yeah. you know uh, not getting not getting the defense uh, the the rest that they need. Um, and and yeah, and I think they were picking on you know certain guys. I think you know I mean Cornelius Brown the fourth or quarterback threw for a career high at 372 yards. Um, and you know, they, they seem to kind of go, they, they had that, um, all, all or nothing kind of <laughs> mentality, right. That, yeah. that we've seen in the past where, where it was, you know, they, they either just nothing was going, um, if, or they, they connect now, on just a huge Let me ask play. you this. Cause you were there. I actually, for those listening, I actually was hunting and didn't actually get to see the first half of the football game. How was the pressure on the quarterback in your mind, first half versus second half. Do you think we got more pressure in the first half than the second half? Do you think that I, I there would was say no, a little bit. there's no pressure at all throughout the game? And that's what there was less pressure in this game than we've had in previous the, the rest of the yeah the rest of the all season. right now I know Correct. who was it? I think it was uh, um, Raymond Johnson third had like what a few like three or four tackles for loss in this game, right? Uh, yeah, he he was kind of all over the place. Okay. He he had uh, he had seven uh, tackles, um, five tackles for loss. So I mean that's 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 huge. But we just couldn't get it yeah. after the quarterback, pretty much. Like we could probably. We, I think that's where you see CJ right. Yeah. I mean, you know, he, the 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 impact that he had at at, at nose, uh, uh, you know, um, and Ellis too. Yeah, Ellis, but but yeah, no tackle. He he causes so much disruption. Even though the stats might not always be there, um, it's that disruption, yeah. right? Um, that that you you kind of create for you need two guys to block them. So you create right. You create for your Raymond Johnsons. You create for your Rashad Birds. You create for um, you know your your Todd Bradleys or um, you know these guys to to be able to to make big plays and so. Yeah, I mean, I I think you're going to continue to see, you know, as as we break some of these younger guys in, um, that be an issue, you know, and, and a cause for concern on on defense. And I I don't I don't know. I mean, there were certainly I I think we let up more in this game, and we certainly let up more in the second half. It's it seemed like uh, than the first half when it comes to uh, rushing the passer. Um, but I think part of it was we just weren't great at it because because of you know the and let's um, keep in mind too Georgia State's offensive line is one of the better offensive lines in the conference and so I think that's something else to kind of keep in the back of our heads that this that's a very experienced line I don't know about their injury situation but regardless I think they were pretty deep as well. Um, it wasn't a good situation. No, like it, it wasn't. It just, it just wasn't a good recipe for us. You know, with such a depleted defense, I mean, they're, they're they've got a, a decent defense, or they've got a decent, um, they've got a good offensive line, like you said, and they've got a, a, a high power passing attack. Yeah. And you know, the way we've talked about our inefficiencies in the secondary this year, and we've seen certainly improvements there. You I know, thought we've the seen last yeah five or six games, but you know, a lot of that was helped out by um, our pass rush, and our pass rush took a huge hit with these um off the field stuff yeah you know did. with with with, uh, with the suspensions and with the guys leaving and with the injuries like it it just it, it took a huge huge hit so i think you're gonna see that against fau and against app and, and possibly in the bowl game um and, and hopefully it gets better each week i think and, this uh, i think I know, this fau game is gonna be very telling it will of kind of where we stand yeah yeah i think yeah so should we just go ahead and pivot into that, or is there anything else that you want to talk about, state or or the team in general? Uh, let's see. We talked, yeah, about the. Um, no, I think I think we can go into Florida. Yeah, I feel Atlanta. like we kind of hit the, the yeah. main things here. Yeah, I, I do want to highlight Logan Wright. Right, I mean, we we, we oh, kind of yeah. briefly touched on him. So let let's talk. Well, a now about this him, is get back I mean, to Ruse thing. I, yeah, we completely forgot this point. Yeah. So 
my big thing with the best here this season is not giving the hot hand enough touches, right? Logan Wright, like what, 140, 150 yards? Eight touches. Why doesn't he have like 15, 18, 20 touches? If, if he's busted out two big old long runs and, and has been consistently throughout the year averaging about six, or really his whole career averaging six yards a carry, um, why are we not just feeding him the ball? Um, looking right. for opportunities to get him in motion or get him on the pitch, dive, whatever. Um, and, and, and he can obviously catch too. So throw screens, wheel routes. I mean, let's, let's feed him the ball. He's the hot hand. He's the, he's the man that they, that, that get into the end zone. Um, well, yeah, I think, we I mean, know, 143 would, yards on eight carries, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, 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 yeah, he had those home run plays and he had, he had, uh, you know, we talked all year about the lack of explosive plays. This <laughs> this game was kind of the opposite of that, right? We were able to Get hit on, plays. I think we had three, yeah, we had three plays of over 30 yards, um, but it was those kind of between the tackle and moving the chains and grinding out plays that we have seen, you know, uh, especially between the 20s, um, you know, the, the rest of the season. We didn't see as much of that, right? Those sustained yeah. drives and stuff. It was kind of an all or nothing, kind of like Georgia State did, um, uh, you know, uh, offense in this game and I think that's something that you see with the ruse I went back and kind of looked at 14 and 15 just to kind of see you know did did we do something similar I saw where Ellison Brito um sometimes Ransby they would all have you know 10 15 20 yards you know 20 20 carries in a game it wasn't it wasn't always this distribution or if it was you may have Brita and Ellison have the majority of it, right? 15, 20, and everybody else, the three or four other running backs, two, one, three maybe at most. Yeah, Ramsby maybe have sometimes fived up to 10. But you could tell that the distribution wasn't even. It was like, all right, Ellison and Brita is their two main guys, and then we'll give some people some other chances or whatever. But, you know, he, we know who's going to get us the yards and who's going to make the plays. I think with Ruse, that's the same thing, right? If if Logan Wright comes out and is, is just bulldozing through people and breaking things off, I think you see where we don't just limit him to eight yards or eight carries in a game. I I would be very surprised to see if if Logan Wright is is trucking along, Ruse not to feed him the ball. Yeah, you got to feed your t- your hot hand. Yeah. But I mean, I think the the other part of it, I mean, maybe it gets a little bit easier for ruse um you know to to kind of defend the best a little bit right where you don't have as many weapons to choose from right i mean you know we, we have a depleted running back core now we still got plenty of talent back there you know we talked about jalen white last week he only gets four carries um for 12 total yards average three uh yards of carry um it, you know he had some flashes there you yeah, throw in sam kinderson at, at quarterback yeah. doing kind of some wildcat stuff um you know so so the, and of course gerald green uh you know he um he he got eleven carries, you know, for for just forty three yards. So I think I think maybe that's we we've seen what he can do. Um, you know, three point nine yards per uh, per carry is, is respectable uh, for sure. And Matt Laroche had seven carries for six point one yards um, uh, average, but you you're averaging seventeen, almost eighteen uh, yards per carry in in Logan Wright you get the ball more than eight times. Yeah. You just do. You yeah. have to. I understand two of them were the long runs that helps the average. Um, you know, long of sixty three and the two touchdowns. But it's it's not like when he was just getting the ball up the middle that he was falling down after a yard. Exactly. You know, he he, he was still getting three, run. four, five yards. Yeah. I'm every glad time. we I'm we glad we went back, back to this because now we need to also talk about Shy Wirtz and Justin Tomlin. Shy is yeah, hurt. We do. We do. Shy is hurt. Shy is hurt. He's been hurt for a couple of weeks. He was hurt, in my opinion, 
I mean, dating back to last year, that shoulder has been giving them trouble since last year. We saw it kind of come to the head, uh, you know, uh, in a few games this year, certainly in the Army game, he injured it bad. Um, you know, Tomlin comes in. This game, it was interesting because you're listening to the pregame show, you're listening to, to you know, Terry Harvin and um, and Colin Lacey and all them and, 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 and Big Frank, and they're all saying, expect to see a lot of Justin Tomlin today. And we did it. We did it until the fourth quarter when it was kind of desperation mode after Wurtz couldn't go anymore. And that that's interesting and, and, and kind of really telling to me of, of, of like, where, you know, like why, why, why do you think that was the case, Cody? I mean, like if, if he's banged up, in, in my opinion, you know, if, if, if he's your QB1, you, you want him to be healthy and, and, and running the offense we do, whether it's Roos or best, your quarterback's going to take hits. And then also we're going to try to throw the ball, and it's his throwing shoulder that's hurt. So why is he in there with a bum shoulder trying to throw the ball? You know, it, like yeah. it's, it's, Which that, that I is think, questionable. I think it – well, that – and it makes you question what are they seeing in Tomlin in practice to not trust him with the offense? When, yeah. when and, and I think that's I think that's a valid question, right? Because – you know, I think everybody remembers the Minnesota game. Everybody remembers the yep. main game in which he was in and played, and he did really well. And, you know, yes, this year I think he's been thrown in some very tough spots and in some situations that were not uh, not environments to thrive in uh, and asked to do some really impossible task. And, and uh, sorry, he, my kids are going crazy in yeah, there. World War III, yeah, they uh, are, man. Um, it's only going to get better here too. So yeah. they, um, for Tomlin, it's kind of that question. I think some fans are like, "Let's put him in," but you also have some other fans who are saying, "Obviously, the coaches see something as to why he's not in there." Now, to get back to a to the to the radio, not the radio show, the uh, one of the. Pre-game show? Not the pre-game show. One of the media days uh, yesterday, um, okay. Lunsford said that, hey, you know, Tomlin needs to expect to be the guy the, the, the guy yeah, who's going to go this did. week. And this is the coaching um, staff. Yeah, yeah, this so, is like, the coaching what, what, staff. What, so. what I was talking about was the pregame show before, you know, the tailgate show that they do. Um, I just and, think they feel like Shai's— They were saying expect a, to see a lot of Justin Tomlin. I think now, they just feel like Shai's the best it. option. Yeah. I think they feel like Shai's right. the best option. And that, I think that's a, sim- that's a simplistic answer to it. Uh, yeah. That they give that shy gives them the best the best the best option to win so to speak, uh, no pun intended. Yeah. I think I think that's it. Um, but this week it seems like Tomlin has got to have that mentality that he's going to be the number one guy and that he's going to take over the reins against FAU. Um, which if that happens, that's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, and you know I I and I want to see it. I, I it's not that I want to see Wurtz bench or anything like that, but like it, people being hard on Justin. I mean, again, you saw what he was capable of last year against Minnesota, you know, almost winning that game against Maine. Like you said, you know, I, I believe in Justin Tomlin. I, I think he can be a good quarterback for us. Um, I think he could be the quarterback of the future at, at least, you know, next year and, and, and possibly the year after, you know, um, but he needs reps. He needs quality reps and, 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 and he needs to be put in situations where he can be successful and not kind of thrown into the fire, which he was against Georgia state and was against army. And, you know, like it's, it's not, 
I don't think he should be judged just on, on that. Uh, you know, and, and I think a lot of fans out there are, you know, they're, they're looking at, but, but you make a, you make a, a solid point of, you know, what our coach is seeing in practice that it's a situation where he comes in before, you know, the game's on, on the line we're winning, right? I, I mentioned earlier, it was uh, uh third and seven, you know, he comes in the game. Um, I, I think shy gets hurt or his helmet gets popped off or something. Tomlin's in the game. He gets a first down, I believe, um, and then we get in a third and seven, and we hand the ball off to Logan Wright. We were leading at that point. You know, we ended up uh, punting after that. And why why don't you trust him to throw the ball in that situation? Is it something that you're seeing in practice that he's just not something's not clicking with the concepts or or, or you know his his accuracy or, or whatever? You know, you saw the the interception that he threw. You know that uh, Georgia State closed out the game with. Um, you know, it, it was off. Something was off. But yeah. again, I'd like to see him in situations where it's not do or die, where he actually gets to not necessarily start a game, but if you're just platooning the quarterbacks and he's getting in every, uh, you know, second or third series and able to just kind of get some rhythm, you know, get some rhythm and, 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 and flow from that. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough for a quarterback, especially a young quarterback to be thrown in the fire like that and expect, I mean, you know, we were expecting him to be a miracle worker basically against Georgia state and it didn't happen he turned the ball over twice but you know and 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 that's more often than not probably going to be the case you know so um with, with any with any quarter with any backup quarterback so you know i I'm, I'm just really interested to see if if he does get to start this game or if he gets just quality playing time in this game where it's not in like a crucial moment um how he responds how he does yeah and, and you know this is a formidable opponent fau is really good especially on defense so yeah. So I think, I think we can move to that now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you mentioned that. Yeah. So th- this is an interesting, interesting matchup, right? I mean, they've only played six games. They have, you know, probably as much as any team in the country uh, been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic, um, you know, in, in every way you could, could imagine, right. You, they had games canceled on them because uh, you know, they, they, um, against their first game against Minnesota, you know, was canceled, um, which obviously, you know, the uh, Big Ten wasn't playing football at that time. Their second game against Stony Brook, FCS opponent, was canceled. Um, then you have a postponement against uh, us. Our game supposed to be a nationally televised game on ESPN. Um, <clears throat> and uh, that's postponed. They have, you know, around 22-something uh, cases throughout the program of uh, COVID-19. And um, and then that kind of trickles over to the following week against uh, USF. Um, that game gets postponed, uh, you know, in-state rivalry there. They don't play their first game until October 3rd um, against Charlotte, a game they win, uh, a very ugly game um, from, from both teams. They win it 21-17. Uh, to 17. Um, So, you know, you look at their record, again, just played, they're 5-1, and one, just played six games, um, you know, as, as many games as we have wins, and they their record i think may be a little deceiving um because they haven't played a lot of great opponents um you know we we've talked about this with some of our other opponents on on either side of like your texas states of you know maybe they're a lot better than the record um then you have you know some some other teams where you know like your troys or uh we don't play arkansas state but you look at arkansas state earlier in the year and be like okay maybe they're they're worse than their record based on like who they've played right um so you you look at their opponents their one loss coming October 24th uh, to a ranked Marshall team, um, 20 to nine. Uh, 
all their other losses, they only beat one opponent with a winning record. Um, and that was uh, UTSA, which normally is kind of a, a bottom dweller. Uh, you know, it's a Conference USA uh, opponent, um, but they're usually kind of a, a basement dweller uh, in FBS football. Um, you know, they have not had a lot of success uh, since moving up, um, but they're they're at seven wins. Uh, so that, that's, um, that was one of their four losses, I believe, so far. And uh, and FAU won that game uh, twenty four to three. So that that might be their best win. Um, their other wins came against you know a winless FIU team. Uh, came uh, a ten to six win against uh, a Western Kentucky team. That's not very good. Um, they beat UMass. You know a, a familiar um, you know like opponent there. Uh, they only beat them twenty four to two. So you know it's their their offense has struggled um, at times. They. Uh, you know, looking at ESPN's FPI rankings, they're 114th um, in offensive efficiency. Uh, their defense, however, is very good. Um, they, they, they have definitely kept them in games. Uh, they're 33, uh, th- uh, 33rd in the nation um, uh, in, in defense and 44th in special teams, um, where, you know, just to kind of put it into perspective, looking at FPI rankings for Georgia Southern, we're 91st in offense, uh, 70th in defense, 98th in special teams, where we were number one last year. I mean, I think yeah. that's that's pretty and, glaring. And let's right? be, let's be. Uh, they have changed their quarterbacks the last two games. Yes. Yeah. Um, and this young man is seems to be quite the athlete, to say the least. Javion Posey is his name. Yeah. Well, he 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 played in their last game against UMass. Okay. Yeah. Javion no, Posey it. It was thir- 13 for 27, 203 yards. He also carried the ball 19 times, led the team in rushing 90 yards and a touchdown. Yep. So he's, I think he's what like a redshirt freshman or sophomore. I think he's pretty young too. He's he's quite good, and I w- it would not be surprising so if yeah. So so true freshman would not be surprised if he just came in here and, and had a fantastic game. Likewise, he's true freshman coming here and have a terrible game. Uh, yeah. But the talent and the athleticism is there. He is he is a formidable quarterback to go up against. Um, it will be interesting to see how the defense attacks them um, and see how they how they go about trying to keep him contained. Um, because I mean FAU, they have athletes there. It's not like it's some chump program or that they don't get athletes or whatever. Lane Kiffin's there for We're three years. We're talking about a conference champion. Yeah, yeah they, they, I mean, they, they're good. They one one conference USA last year. Obviously, Lane Kiffin was a big part of that. Um, but they got a lot of uh, P5 transfers in. You know, it's an attractive destination uh, for power five transfers. And, um, I believe, you know, from talking to the, the guys and the, the owl's nest, you know, the podcast and stuff, uh, there at FAU earlier in the year when we thought we were going to play them, um, you know, they were saying how the, I think they had like three, uh, power five wide receiver transfers, you know, so they, they've got weapons. Um, you know, they've got, uh, you know, again, um, and that's just, that's on offense that, that hasn't been that, um, that great this year, but, um, their, their defense has, you know, they, they, they've got playmakers on defense, you know, they're just averaging 21 points, uh, per game, but they're only allowing 11.2 points per game this year. Yeah. The defenses. So. I mean, th- look, go back to the FIU game. Now I know FIU is a terrible team, but the Posey kid had 18 carries for 182 yards. Um, he threw 10 to 16 for 80 with two touchdowns. He had three touchdowns total. Um, yep. The kid is is very athletic. I watched the the UMass game the other week, and the first half was slow. It wasn't something that was that I think either team felt great about going into halftime. Uh, but they opened it up in the third quarter, 
pulled away and and got the victory. I think this young man is is really good. I think we need to take them very seriously. If we don't, he can and will light us up. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I you know I I think you know th- this was a scary matchup all year. You know when we thought we were gonna play him earlier in the year and. It's, it's definitely an opponent that I, I feel like maybe some of our fan base is overlooking um, somewhat. I mean, I've, you know, sandwiched there now in between the Georgia State, you know, the possibly, you know, your two, arguably your two rivals, right? Georgia State and, and App State. Um, it, it, it can kind of be lost. And, but I certainly, I mean, they're, they're a five and one team and they're a reigning conference champion. They're not, it's not a trap game, you know, so, but, but it, it almost seems like our, our fan base is, is is looking past them a little bit, you know, and, and hopefully the team's not, hopefully the team's not. Yeah, so, hopefully it's um, not. you know, it's cause I, I think, I think we will be probably one of the better possibly uh, outside of Marshall, um, possibly the best outside of Marshall opponent they've uh, faced so far this year. Right. Um, you've got a new quarterback that, you know, a true freshman, like we said, is, is incredibly athletic. He's, is, you know, best um, passing day came, uh, you know, against UMass, we all know, you know, the story there. Um, so I, I, I think the key is, you know, where the our kind of depleted defense is going to be tested, um, but we got to get that pass rush going. I know it's yeah. kind of a broken record, but I mean, I think if we can get pressure on the kid, uh, well, make that him uncomfortable, force him to make mistakes, keep, contain him. Keep yeah, your contain gap him. integrity, contain him, because he can run and he will run. Um, and we talked yeah. about how when you get to the third long situations to get off the field, you know, don't allow him to scramble and pick up the 10, 12, 15 yards that they need to get a first Which down. Which we've seen time after yep. time this year. Yeah. So that's gonna, I think that's going to be a major factor in this is is that. Um, how well can our defense get him off the field? And on top of that, will our offense score? This is this is, this is is a very tough defense from, from, from a stats perspective. They're um, only allowing 105 yards rushing a game. Yeah. Right. Um, again, Maybe you know what you got to think. We're probably one of the best rushing offenses that they've seen, um, if not the the best. Um, but we're not breaking a new offense, but new offensive coordinator. So I I think the key, yeah, is pass rush on defense, contain them, force them to make mistakes, and take it. You know, get some turnovers, take advantage of those turnovers offensively. Um, don't settle for field goals. Throw some wrinkles in there. Do some misdirections. Create good matchups. Play the numbers game. That was something that we didn't see that much with with Debas, right? Run to you know the, the side yeah. of the field where you know uh, to just take take what the defense gives you. Um, and and yeah, it's it's gonna be a big. It's gonna be a huge. Set. I mean, what a first test for for Roos, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> get, it's, get it's a very it's a very it's a very yeah. tough test. I mean, both these games are gonna be tough for him. Um, but just looking at it, I think I mean. I think pass rush is key, but I'll be honest with you, man. The way that it looks like that, just from looking at it from a stats perspective, I think we're going to have to have our defense really stop their run game. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and you know if if they are able to run the ball on us, then it's going to be a long day. Now, if we stop their run game and ensure that they they're not going to go anywhere and force them into really throwing the ball, then I think we'll kind of see what they what they'll do. You look at you said uh, UMass the young man I think was what you said thirteen for um, twenty seven so it's not really the greatest um, right he's a run first quarterback yeah. he's gonna I mean that you know again we we know how bad UMass is um, yeah but but you know he only threw the ball sixteen times against FIU uh, you know a much better completion percentage ten of sixteen but yeah thirteen of twenty seven 
against UMass. Um, so, you know, maybe not the most accurate kid out there. You've got to expect that's going to get better, you know, with, well, uh, with time. Um, and he's a freshman, but he's going to be a run first quarterback. So I think if we can contain, uh, you know, him um, and, and force him to throw, um, you know, that that's going to be a key. And then, you know, they're, um, you know, he's, he's leading, he's leading them right now in, in rushing yards um, with uh, 332 uh, rushing yards. They average, um, 197 rushing yards a game. Gotcha. So, so Keep yeah, I, I, I think that's the key. Is basically, home. Yeah. Basically shut him down. Yeah. I think, I think the biggest thing with these final two games of the regular season is that they're home games. You know, I, yep. I think we can kind of salvage the season, uh, get to seven or eight wins, um, because they're home games, but this game, you know, the Georgia state game was a huge game. The army game would have been nice to get, uh, the state, the state loss hurt. I mean, it did. Um, with you know this game, non-conference opponent. You know, I think it's it's worth mentioning there. Um, you know how uh, our our winning streak. You know, twenty six straight at home against non-conference opponents. Now, you know, I think I think one thing to point out there is this might be one of the best non-conference opponents that we've faced in a while since in, probably in Western State. Michigan when they came in. Yeah, right. I, w- I was kind of thinking back to like, yes, that's an incredible stat, power of pulse and all this, 20 sta- uh, 26 straight. But when you're talking about all the Savannah States and the Campbells and New Mexico, you know, all, State. All, New Mexico State, right? Yeah, when they weren't a conference opponent anymore, when we beat them for homecoming. Um, you know, Idaho, I think, didn't we host maybe one? But no, no. Yeah, that, like, no. Mm-mm. Yeah, no. They were not, still in conference. They were, they were still in some okay. Um, but yeah, so a lot of FCS opponents, a lot of, um, bottom of the barrel FBS, you know, independence, your UMasses, right. Um, were, you know, make up that 26 number, um, taking nothing away from it. Uh, we all know the power Paulson is real, but this is going to be a huge test and we certainly can't just rely on the fact that we're playing a Paulson that we're going to win this game. Um, you know, this, yep. this is probably, uh, one of the best, if not the best non-conference opponents that we face again, reigning conference champion. Probably one of the most um, well-known coaches to come in. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And, and, and Willie Taggart. And I mean, obviously roller coaster career. Um, you talk, you mentioned Western Kentucky where he kind of put them on the map. Right. Uh, then, you know, had, uh, you know, uh, some success at, at South Florida, uh, parlayed that did not have a lot of success at Florida state. Um, and then now Hold going on, back to the, the G5, missed the seven and five, I think a seven and five season at, at what is it? Oregon. Oregon, that's right. Yeah, yeah. he was at Oregon he for did one turn year. That, that was around. very he because the previous year they were terrible. But he did they were. get them. They were. He, he did get them back on track. Um, his, yeah. his yeah, it seemed like the really his his only stop where he didn't have any success at all was at Florida State. But yeah, Florida State was kind of a train wreck, and yeah. they still kind of are. Um, and you know, so maybe that was just a, a bad situation all around. But that's I mean, I, he's like. a good coach. He he's is. a good coach, and and certainly at the at the. A G five level, he's been incredibly successful. Well, Western Kentucky, USF, and now, uh, you know, five and one um, in his first season, uh, taking over for Lane Kiffin, right? So, I mean, obviously, Kiffin left him a very good roster, um, but uh, yeah, he, the, the the guy can coach. Um, so, it's it's going to be tough, you know. I mean, kind of looking back at 
the um, you know Liberty game and then Hugh Freeze and, uh, and and this like when when we face these good coaches that you know uh, that's that's going to be a key matchup too is is the decision making when to go for it on fourth down when to kick the field goal rather than go for it um, you know when when to take shots that that kind of, you know the the adjustments second half adjustments all this kind of stuff is going to come into play and then you know at times we haven't been great at that stuff this year um, clock management you know they're going to be sound in those areas. Uh, Florida Atlantic will, um, we just have to make sure we can match up with them. Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree. So I guess with that, Cody, um, you know, we covered, we covered a lot, um, but it's, it's definitely going to be interesting. It's interesting to see how this all shakes out. Um, you know, that in these next two or three games and, I'm certainly looking forward to see what wrinkles uh, Roos has in store for the offense. Um, looking forward to seeing, you know, maybe with, with another week of practice, this defense, uh, you know, getting some more reps, you know, young and experienced uh, uh, players, you know, on, on the line and um, in, uh, you know, secondary and, and the linebacker core, especially um, of, of just how they kind of can come around and then get tested against a really good um, or, or get tested against a really good uh, Florida Atlantic team. Um yeah, just just really looking forward to it. Hopefully, we improve to uh, twenty seven in uh, non conference games at Paulson. Yeah. As with that, hail Southern, Matt. Hail Southern. Thank you for listening to Gotta Talk. Be sure to visit our website, gotatalk.com. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Gata Talk Podcast for more news and coverage of Georgia Southern football. Reach out with questions, share your thoughts, or suggest topics on our social media channels or by emailing us at gatatalkpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, Eagle Nation, Gata and Hail Southern. Thank <laughs> you.